Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. In this episode, I interview Siobhan Moran, a consciousness and prosperity business coach, mentor, speaker, author, and fellow podcaster. Siobhan is devoted to teaching the world's entrepreneurs and leaders the needed skills to grow their business while maintaining authenticity and clarity of mission to purposeful profits. We cover a lot of topics and a lot of ground in this conversation, which I hope you enjoy. Siobhan, thank you for joining in this discussion. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Mm. Uh, my background is I had my first business at 11. I got into computer coding because they didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> and, um, and then I realized there was a severe introvert and I needed to learn sales and marketing. And so I went to uh, school for coding and uh, realized mm, that's really not my gig. And went out into the world and found a couple of companies that were small and startups and realized the coding and the sales and marketing and all of those things that I'd done were a good blend of what I could bring to a small company and help them build. And uh, when I moved to California, I found one of those companies. We helped build it, get it sold after a couple of years. And I was kind of hooked on entrepreneurs from then. Um, and uh, then did that several more times and realized that um, I, when I dove into something that I loved, um, it was uh, really, you know, the skill of sales and marketing came actually from coding, which doesn't always make sense. <laughs> and then I got sick and misdiagnosed and then I nearly died on the uh, emergency room table I thought, I'm not here to just go away and die. I'm here for something more. And I had this weird, bizarro idea that if I could build companies, I could heal my body. And I didn't know where that came from, but it sounded right. I thought, okay, that makes sense. And, you know, your brain does wild things when you're in those circumstances. And I thought, yeah, I can totally do this. (laughs) I had no basis for this, no foundation. And um, uh, they said, we're going to keep you for a couple of weeks. I said, oh, no, people die here. Again, no basis for this other than, yep, this is what I believe is true. And I decided to take their injections because I needed that in order to live. And then uh, I uh, went home and followed the instructions for two months and healed myself um, of taking the things they told me to take. And, of course, I didn't take them in all the way they told me. I thought I knew better, and fortunately I did, and I came out on the other side and went back to work and started playing around with these techniques with my sales team and with the marketing companies that we were working with, and sure enough, sales started growing, and I thought, hmm, what I just did for me, this is important. I didn't realize I'd already been doing this, and So fast forward, um, started teaching at colleges and sharing, you know, this, uh, what we call energetic solutions, which is a blend of, um, you know, the concept of universal energy and actually business and structure and strategy and techniques and conversations and branding and such. 
and started talking about that. And people were very curious. They wanted to know more. And then next thing you know, I have a bunch of clients and uh, it's just gone on from there. Um, and we work with people all the way from one-on-one to online programs to really just the, um, some audios to get them off whatever challenge that they're facing in their head or their business or their uh, or as an entrepreneur inside of an organization. And so all of the products were actually designed by client demands. Wow, that that is certainly uh, a great deal of information. I mean, I think it's so interesting the way that you just described how you you going through all the change that you went through personally, and it sounds like stopping to to sort of listen to what you needed, then altered and changed kind of the energy around you, which then, as you as you're describing, when you bring into a structure like a business, um, is it fair to say that it kind of rippled out and um, you know it 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 took on a different life in itself um, by tra- and then you and then you're transforming organizations and people around you through um, through that change yeah so interestingly um, there were tools there were things you know, as a as a computer programmer I feel like I'm a scientist I'm always creating tools so I was doing that you know growing businesses and then this this other we'll call it the woo side that's what everybody calls it it's fun it's fine i don't care um but uh it's uh there are tools within that that i developed and i would take into meetings and conversations and the organization in itself wherever they were stuck and i'd be like well let's do this one little exercise in here and people like i don't know it always works whatever she says works so let's just do it (laughs) and so it um it's really yes from the inside out absolutely because when you work with a leader or a ceo or a startup founder or whatever their uh, energy fuels the organization and it actually you know once something is solved or resolved with them it then does ripple out yeah, and I, w- I would love to, I mean, one of the things you said when you did your intro that I that I picked up on, I thought it was very interesting. You talked about not only like the computer science and kind of the, the geek side of it, which I'd love to dig into a little bit, because I, I do think that is seeing the world in that way of learning, you know, systems and structure and, and, and code is, is kind of a superpower. But then you also mentioned the introvert side, and I'd love you to dig in on that as well, because I, I've noticed a lot of, uh, in even in my world and working with clients and that there's a lot of uh, folks out there that, um, well, frankly, they have to perform perform as extroverts, but um, they they know or they realize that they're introverts, and going through that change every single day can be a little challenging, to say the least. So I would love to, you know, hear your thoughts on. It seems like you knew pretty early on that you were, in fact, an introvert, and knowing, you know, how you how you were showing up in the world was that a, was that a challenge? How did you manage that? that change and, and how do you see it today? Yeah. Um, my dad was in sales and he was one of those natural extroverts. And I knew that I thought and spoke differently. So I really just kept a lot to myself and I really didn't realize it was called an introvert. And um, I knew that when there's, I had this job, um, fun story, but I had this job and I was doing, 
don't remember what exactly what I was doing, but I remember sitting at the computer and, you know, the people who were, it was part-time, I was in high school, and people that were, you know, the grown-ups um, in the other, on the other side of the glass, I remember looking out at them, kind of just hanging out, looking out at them, I thought, dang, they look pale and kind of sad and sick, and I thought, yeah, I do not want that for my life. <laughs> and it was it was a good pivotal moment and I don't know that I knew that I needed sales and marketing but I knew that that was going to be a point of freedom for me and I needed to make that happen whatever it was to get the freedom and get out there uh, on my own and really explore what that all meant um, so yeah I dove into I dove into sales because somebody told me I was a natural at it. And I was like, I don't know what you're saying, but okay, if you think so, I'll try it. <laughs> and um, it was after I helped that one company get built and sold. And I was really good at writing and the technology stuff. And, you know, it was, a, you know, a catalog company. It was a uh, computer accessories for, and we did catalogs and stuff like that, put our stuff in catalogs. And so I was really good at communicating that message. Uh, but getting that and speaking that was never easy. And I learned, I guess, pretty early on, if you want to do something, you better just immerse yourself and just go for it, even, no matter how scared you are. Um, so I, you know, I just kind of jump into things and be like, okay, a little frightened, but go anyway, let's go. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's so interesting that you, you, you mentioned that because I, I feel like today's today's day and age, the way that people are going about their work or their life or just the pace of change that's coming at us every single day. I do, I do see a lot of people being asked or I don't want to say expected, maybe suggested to jump right in and try something. And even if we don't know if it's going to turn out okay, even if we don't have the, the exact roadmap, I often tell people, you know, the textbook hasn't even been written yet. Um, so certainly we can't find the answer key in the back. When you when you're working with you know clients and and corporations, how do you help people go through that change that you're talking about? Which is look, we're kind of at this point where you just got to try something. Um, you gotta you gotta be a bit vulnerable um, and and take a risk. How does that how does that play out? Um, I think one of the things I recall exploring a lot was to be and kind of like what we were talking about before we jumped on here is insane curiosity so I figured if I could get other people to talk about themselves I would know more and uh, and I'm a very deep listener I really listened from my heart and I know that everybody has a unique gift and they have something that they have innately hidden inside of themselves that is crying and screaming to get out. And I'm very good at uh, uncovering that. That's got to be a very tremendous power to do that. I, I, I think it's when, when, you, when you talk about the curiosity piece and the, the listening, um, do you think that's one of the one of the things that's most challenged today? I mean, if we're thinking about using the technology we use every single day, if we think about the distractions, the devices, how how do I'd be curious? I'm sure some of the listeners would be curious. How do you how do you maintain that level of you know innate 
um, curiosity and that gift of deep listening when there's a lot coming at you. Mm, yeah, really. I mean, I actually run three companies, so I have a lot of stuff I'm I'm digesting and, you know, sorting through. Um, I spend, you know, when I'm driving, I spend no time listening to music. <laughs> a little weird, but um, it gives me a lot of bandwidth. And then I uh, take in information in a particular way. I guess it's unique. I didn't know it until I started dealing with, you know, uh, startups. And I thought, oh, I didn't realize that that was a unique way of handling information. And I'm certain it's because of the sorting through coding and such like that. But um, I love the fact of being jealous of your time, precious of your time. And if something is not giving you more life or energy, or business, um, then you need to move on. And I'm really good at that. And that's what a near-death experience did for me, I think. It's just like, life's too short. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Blah, next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I've, I've had a few recent conversations, even with some guests on this podcast, where the conversation has taken it to a place where they've talked about one of those life-changing moments. There was someone I interviewed recently and the guest talked about how they were on a plane, and the plane um, dropped very drastically. And the kind where, you know, the liquid in your cup, <laughs> one, minute, mm-hmm. one second it's in your cup and the next it's on the ceiling. And um, that person talked about how after something like that, you know, when they were on the ground and they were kind of glad to be on the ground and safe, they couldn't quite see life the same. Um, and they too had a moment where they kind of just woke up and said, I'm I'm not sure I'm really happy doing what I'm doing and changed changed their entire path, um, became an entrepreneur, started their own business, um, started helping people, um, now heads up, you know, learning and development for PBS. Um, so, so certainly a, a, a different path considering when that happened, when they were on the plane, they were a lawyer. So I do think it is a fascinating um, thing to hear that there are more people talking about probably these moments, um, be it a near-death experience or just an awakening to say, what is my gift and how do I make sure that I, you know, put that gift out in the world? And like you just said, Siobhan, help other people find out what their own gift is. Um, do you yeah, think that's increasing? Driven, do you think more people are? I'm driven by service. I'm driven by mm-hmm. people didn't help me and I know how much it would have meant if I had had somebody like me helping me. (laughs) And so I'm driven by, um, dang, there are a lot of people like me out there that have that, have that introverted or softer side. They're extroverted in some way. They have these, um, you know, energetic sensitivities and they still like business and they don't have anybody to talk to that can really speak their speak. This is always very, very woo out there world or, or you know, uh, what are they doing? Those um, plant medicines and, and then all of the, or it's just the hard, harsh corporate stuff. And I'm in, you know, I'm that unicorn going, yeah, I blend all of those because um, those conversations, I've been doing this over 18 years and those conversations, people would just find me and they, 
find me and they would be saying, oh my God, I have been looking for somebody like you. This right. is what I need. Because everybody's in such polarity. I know how to bring them all together because I've done all sides of them. And I see more and more people open to it. But actually, more that, the more that they're open to it, the more they actually have gotten a negatively skeptical and saying, mm, no, it can't be. That person really can't exist. So now that they're more open, they're actually less believing that it truly is. You know, I do truly do embody that. And so it's really a fascinating change. And why do you think that is? I mean, it's so interesting. It's almost like the closer you get to the source of knowledge, the less you believe it. Like, is that because of the yeah. paradigms that we're in? Is it because of the structures we're in? Um, I love your thoughts on that, because the way you described it totally resonates with me. Mm. Yeah, I remember um, I've been a student of Apple for a long time, coder, right? And um, I remember thinking about their code and being like, yeah, that's clean code. That's really clean code. And just, you know, weird head thoughts, but I'm not relative to everybody. But um, the fascinating thing is as we have more complexity, we're seeking the clean code, but we actually don't believe it exists. So if you look at how long it took Apple to really find their, find their huge tribe, I'd been a tribe member early on because I was a coder. I got it. Um, but to find their huge tribe and their huge voice, people would be like, no, it can't be that simple. It's like, oh, yeah, it's totally been that simple from day one. Um, <laughs> and it requires, um, it requires taking, a tr taking more inner truth and taking more responsibility for your own life and actually saying yes to those like soul nudges. Because we're actually not trained to say yes to soul nudges. We're trained to say yes to intellectual nudges. And intellectual right. nudges aren't the highest and best interest nudges for us. And it's sometimes what the world doesn't need more of, right? I mean, I think there's sometimes we, right. we find ourselves at, you know, crossroads. And you're right. We need more of the heart um, in, a, in a particular instance, uh, lead with the heart or... Um, and and I think it's it's I'm curious if you've read or if you've come across uh, you know one of the books I read this year which is probably one of the best that you know, I read this year was um, called Quiet and it was like The Power of Introverts by Susan Cain I'm curious if you've read that or or heard about that book. No, I stay away. I read very ancient books. I stay away from things okay. from today. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's really fascinating. Um, I just seem to have, I seem to, to gravitate toward things that are much deeper and cleaner information. So, cause I've been doing this for a long time. It's, I don't tend to read anybody else's stuff like this. I write a lot. I've written over 12 books. So yeah, I write a lot about this stuff. Awesome. What are, what are some of the, um, what are some of the books you've written and about that um, maybe listeners can go find out about? Mm. Yeah, um, one of my first clients was actually Boeing, and um, I went in under the guise of stress reduction. <laughs> I was just teaching them energy stuff, and all of the engineers came because they wanted to know how to, like, they wanted to know how to shut up their heads and really be more focused and be better employees. And um, so I wrote, ended up writing a book based upon that called Learn to Meditate in Two Minutes 
for the lazy, crazy, and time deficient. So that's kind of that way. And it's been. I love that title. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And uh, then I wrote one. Yeah, I have a whole series and called the Secret Energy of. you know, health and food and, um, you know, this is a weird topic, but I find this with almost all of my CEO clients, men and women, you know, things around sex. I actually wrote a book for the secret energy of sex based upon the challenges that all of these corporate clients were going through, um, and how to help them. Um, yeah, uh, gosh, I don't, uh, 12 energetic solutions for personal power. Um, gosh, there are a bunch. Uh, yeah, I saw the one, one of the ones I, I, yeah, I think I, one of the ones I thought was kind of fascinating was the secret energy of forgiveness. Um, and I think given where we're at just in the world right now, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic. Um, (laughs) and probably, probably something we could see a little more of. Um, but it's even interesting when you think about what, you know, the, the, as we were talking about some of the structures and the barriers of, of what people encounter, some of it I'm curious your thoughts on is, is some of this require people to do self-forgiveness before they can kind of really move forward um, with some of the change that they, you know, they, they want Eventually. or they're afraid of. Yeah. 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 Eventually they really, I actually teach them to work on the outer first and then work on the inner because the outer is easier to identify. The inner is not so easy to identify. So I have sure. a, yeah, this, the secret energy of forgiveness reminds me of a conversation a client I have who is the CMO of a franchise organization. And she has a boss who is just a horrific communicator. <laughs> just terrific and his his style and demeanor and mannerisms are just like oh my gosh um and uh really taught her uh in the early stages a couple years ago to really just forgive that circumstance and and then and then to him and so on and so forth and then it became to her but it started outside with him and it turned the entire marketing organization on its head, and they they had they've had banner years just through that mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. When you think about, um, obviously, you're, you you've you've got your own companies, you've written a lot, you're working with entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs as well. When you think about some of the changes that um, most corporations are going through, and I, I see it from the standpoint of. Um, you know, things like digital transformation or things like automation, machine learning, those things that are coming whether we want it to or not. How are you helping, you know, guide people through that, through those those changes that are coming? Are, are people responding to that well? Are they apprehensive? Do they have the right energy for it? Um, it's, you know, you, you can't pick up a headline these days without seeing something around automation, technology, and um, machine learning and what that that in itself might do to the human, the human condition. So I'd love your thoughts on that. You know, I, uh, <laughs> that's a fascinating thing. I wrote this, I wrote this email to our, our listener, our tribe, and it said weird AI thoughts. And um, it's actually one of our most loved articles because it talks about how. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I talk about how we're the original AI and we're actually totally un-AIing ourselves. 
um, how the energy outside of us, as it changes with all of the, the Wi-Fi nonsense, whatever that is, um, it's affecting us. And if we don't get, if we don't get good at handling our energy and really recovering and restoring and um, getting resilient with it, our bodies energetically won't handle it well. Um, but the AI stuff, like if we can teach people how to um, tap into their own unique AI abilities, that's where the treasure lies. So we can truly utilize these technologies to our greatest and fullest. Um, could it be used for malice? Anything can be used for malice. I mean, in China, they have a technology that is, you know, energy technology that is, you know, for healing and such like that. And they outlawed it for the past 75 years because it's so powerful because, you know, people could misuse it. Well, anything can be misused, a, a vehicle, anything. So if we really take another look and say, okay, how can we be the greatest and most um, aware and awake and present and resilient human being that we can be, we will do greater things for humanity. Yeah, I think it's it is interesting because I've you know I've I've kind of gone down my own um, you know path of continuing to read so much about the human brain, and it still kind of fascinates me that we only use a percentage of it, um, and how much of it we don't understand, and how much of it is you know un. I don't want to say untapped. I, I think it's just we don't understand um, how it's being used. So there's this whole much larger percentage that um, we haven't discovered yet. So I do think that part is fascinating. And then the, the awareness part, um, the you know being awake to things like bias and, um, as you were saying, anything can be used for good and for evil. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on um, the aspect of um, – when you think about uh, technology, and you started, as you talked about, you started off doing coding, um, and you have, you're, you're, you know, you're aware of that world. And when you think about the application of technology for good, um, or using it in a way to kind of expand or promote some other work that you're doing, how have you seen that work? And and what are some ways that maybe people listening or others that are curious on a pathway very similar to to know you, to your own can use the, the technology more, but maybe how you use it with even some of your, you know, clients and whatnot to, mm. to promote some of what you're talking about. Yeah. I, one of the challenges that we face as there are new things is um, we first say, we first have this scowl and the criticism that's never going to work, la la la. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that's inevitable. And I consistently look for technologies to make our company's lives easier. And my team knows they're like, oh, God, she's at it again. <laughs> I'm not afraid to change platforms and do all kinds of things. And then they're like, oh, yeah, right. thank God. This is great. This is the best ever. <laughs> and um, But most people are not really that willing to adopt. Uh, an attitude like that, they're, you know, sitting with their arms crossed going, mm -mm, mm -mm, I need to keep it the way I want to keep it. And the challenge that we face is the same as the opportunity we face is 
as a as a startup or an entrepreneur, there's so much. And unless you know what you need to apply it to and you're open and available to it, you won't be able to find the exact right one for you and then you'll overspend. And I, I help a lot of startups not overspend and, and not make poor decisions like that. And then the other folks who just haven't gotten to the place of I'm willing to do what it takes, whatever it takes to learn it. I don't have to be the expert at it, but to learn it so I can hire the right people. That has to be a much bigger um, available conversation in somebody as they're starting up or doing a side hustle or even inside an organization. Be willing to adopt and accept. There's a funny story on this. Um, I was building a pharmaceutical company at the time I got sick and misdiagnosed, found out I actually didn't believe in drugs, funny, and, and nearly died. And um, I built this system for them and there were five, I came in as a consultant and then as an employee and then uh, I built this system for them that is really the cloud-based system that we all know and love today. And I had this awesome coder and he was, you know, he was the head guy at Apple and did all this really, really, really cool stuff. And Windows was big or something, something with Windows and, and, and it was, you know, a bigger conversation and Apple was in trouble uh, financially. And they took me into their office and they said, listen, um, this system that you bought for $50,000 really sucks and we're going to fire you unless you get on board with this Windows thing. And then I said, okay, but let me know because what you're proposing over here with this Windows thing is going to cost about five hundred to $750,000 to replace my $50,000 one that is going to totally kick its butt. And they nearly bankrupted, bankrupted the company, interestingly. And that happens a lot, though, with, with um, going with something that is, you know, so big and fancy and, you know, the, the big name and stuff like that. And is that what you need to do? I think you just really need, it's almost like a, an IT advocate. Ooh, that's a good name. Whoever, whoever's out there listening, become one of those. <laughs> yeah, that's, become one of those, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's it's also really powerful what you said about the learning versus knowing, um, and the simplicity part of it. There's two pieces that you that you spoke about there that I that I don't want to lose, which is sort of the learning is the new currency. You know, learn it all versus know it all. You know, be open, be curious. It goes back to what you're saying, like you know, innately curious or insanely curious, depending on how we look at it. Have that curiosity um, and anchoring that based on learning as opposed to knowing. I don't need to know all the answers, but I want the capacity to always be learning. And then I think the the other really powerful thing about your story is the simplicity. Um, I think there's a lot that, that comes at people today, and you're right, sometimes things can be bright and shiny and bigger and more, but you got to ask yourself, what are we trying to solve for? Like, what is it we're trying to do, and are we closest to that solution? Um, and sometimes that resides in simplicity. Um, and I would actually argue when you look at things like customer journey mapping or empathy maps and things along those lines, it's the simplicity which uh, brings the most value. Um, and that's mm -hmm. probably something that you, you know, you have conversations, I imagine, with a lot of your, your customers and clients about, right? Yeah, one of my favorite talks that people bring me in for is this one called Clarity, Simplicity to Profit. 
right? You got to have clarity. You got to bring it down to simplicity so you can have profits, whatever profits mean. Exactly. Yeah. And without those, you're, you can't, you can't really get your best work done. I mean, you certainly can't have, um, you know, really bountiful relationships if you don't have clarity and, um, and, in understanding what you're trying to solve for. Um, you yeah, know, you can't be any, a lean any. organization. I mean, it's really tough to Certainly be not. lean and light and really, and really, really making leaps and bounds if you don't focus on simplicity. And it's I, and I wonder deal. if, yeah, it is, it is a big deal. And I, I also think like even the, even in the coding world, you know, there's, there's, probably code out there that's very complex and very busy, but okay. I've, also, I've often heard that when it gets very complex, it gets very tangled. And then when you need to detangle from something or move to another platform, it's that much more complex to make the move. So I'm sure you even talk to people, you know, in Silicon Valley and other places where it's like, if you can get to the simplicity of the code, then that actually gives you more flexibility later on to grow, to scale, to adjust, to pivot. Um, and these are things we're asking people to do every single day, but we're not necessarily putting the tools in their hands um, with the level of simplicity to allow them to do it. So here's a great example. Um, I was looking, um, one of the companies that I helped was, um, they had a large student base all over the world. And I helped them build a database on, I remember the platform, but helped them build this, uh, guide them on the building the database to handle the students and the growth, et cetera. And then um, when we started looking at my organization and how we were managing emails and so on and so forth, I was like, yeah, that one's not good. No, bad code. Yeah, poopy, co I call it poopy code. <laughs> and um, uh, I interviewed the presidents of each of these organizations to help you know, to help me as an entrepreneur take our very sizable list and, you know, do what I needed to do with it to communicate. And I was like, oh, yeah, bad code. They don't get it. They're complicated. They're, they're, they're chaotic thinkers. No. And I went through and I went through. And then I was speaking on a stage with somebody and I looked at the guy and I said, what do you do? And he told me about this product. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. You're exactly describing what I was about to start writing and building because I was frustrated that nobody could do it. And it was right. clean code. And um, I met the guy who was actually the coder of it. And I was like, oh, and we have all of these, he and I have become friends and we have these very deep conversations because he thinks from the, let's serve to the easiest, most simple uh, manner and he and not keep adding on if we have to trash it and rewrite it we're going to do better and that's how he they built it from you know like a thousand customers to i think they're at four hundred thousand customers as of today and it's only been four years yeah i mean there's there is the if we you know we we work with a lot of um clients and customers and and the concept of mvp minimum viable product you know Mm -hmm. Focusing it on the elegance of the simplicity to begin with before you before you're out of the gate, you know, before you're mm -hmm. too long into that journey, let's make sure that what you've got can actually work, um, can work well and maybe brilliantly or beautifully, and then grow and scale from there. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's you know that's one of the challenges is that we we hear the sense of go fast, 
go far, go furious kind of, um, Mm -hmm. but encouraging people to just take a minute and pause and look in, look inward. Um, What is it Mm -hmm. we, we really want to solve for? Who, who do we really want to be? Who am I in this? You know, what is my corporate identity as an organization or, or who am I as an individual contributor? Um, And without that, I imagine you encounter this a lot without that uh, work being done, or, you know, if you skip that work, it presents itself um, as challenging later on, you know, a a couple months or a couple years. A saying I heard recently from the guy who put strategic coach together, um, excuse me, and it's ask yourself, who do you want to be the hero to? I'm like, ah, that's so good. And so I have a particular client who's building a food company. And I said, I need you to answer this question every day and make your people answer this question every day and you're going to have more sales. And she got on to QVC and has more sales. Right. It's amazing how, how simple but powerful it is. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, as we get ready to wrap up here, obviously we've covered a lot of ground and I'm sure as people have been uh, listening, um, they probably, there's probably a handful of people or more, or more that want to know more about you um, and where they can find out or maybe connect with you. So I would love for you to take an opportunity to share with people where can they find out more about you, uh, your companies, your writings, the great work you do to help uh, other people and organizations out there. Well, of course, my books are on Amazon, you know, the big store. And um, uh, you can find me at Siobhan, S-H-E-E-V-A-U-N-M-O-R-A-N.com. And then if you really want like a little taster of getting simplicity into your own world, we created this little toolkit. I love this toolkit. It's seven steps and it's called the Epic, it's called Epic Life Toolkit. And you can go to EpicLifeToolkit.com, download that, go through those seven steps and you will have amazing, amazing revelations. It's so cool. Thank you. That is tremendous. I'm, I know I'm definitely going to go look that up um, after, <laughs> after uh, we finish up here. Thank you, Siobhan, so much for the time and clearly your passion and your work for helping a lot of other people. I appreciate the, the opportunity to learn a little bit more and, and, and hear how you know, you're navigating change and helping other people navigate change. Um, it is a fascinating time in the in the world and in the pathway right now um just seeing the the overlap and uh, the discovery that people are doing so thanks so much for taking the time to share thanks so much bill